Welcome to the Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're excited to have in studio tonight Larry Hansen of Larry Hansen Outdoors and Real Talk Outdoors on Bob FM and on podcast. Welcome, Larry. Hey, thanks guys. Thanks for inviting me to come along on this ride. Absolutely. We've been talking about having you on forever and I'm glad it finally worked out for tonight. Yeah, outstanding. Looking yeah. forward to it here, guys. So those of you who don't know, or those of you who do know, Larry is, you've been guiding uh, in the metro area for three decades? Three decades. That's amazing. Yeah. And yep. you are mostly known for Minnetonka. Right. Yes, I am. Now, how did, how I can't, did that I can't up? help it. No. <laughs> so. uh, it's kind of an amazing fishery, and it's kind of, I mean, you went with the roller coaster history of it, so I do want to hear a little bit about the history of the the lake from your perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with Donker? How, did, how are well, you associated with it? Let's just start off. Let's go all the way back to 1853. That's how long my bloodline has been on Lake Minnetonka. That's pre-Minnesota. That's We're mm-hmm. talking South Dakota territory. That here. would be. Or Wisconsin territory. That would be my grandmother's grandparents settled on Stubbs Bay. Mm. Okay. She was born in 1895 there, and my grandfather was born on... Halstead's Bay in 1895. Okay. My mom was born on Crystal Bay. I can show you the house. Mm. Okay. Still in, there, in, huh? in, in, in 1926, but um, it was a midwife house. It's oh. still there. There's a, a water tower there. Still okay. there. Okay. And at that time, there were only, on Bones Point, there were only three buildings. Okay. So anyway, they lived on Seton Channel. Seton, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, you know my feelings about the <laughs> yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's a good one. Seton Channel. When she was a kid, there was a beach on the point. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. So you didn't have a dam yet. Okay. So there was no Minnehaha Dam, Gray's Bay Dam. Sure. Which is just a spillway. I mean, it's not really much. Okay. Well, I mean, Minnehaha Creek is nowhere near Seton Bay or Seton Channel. No. So that raises the water level that much? Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah. But then my grandparents were the first uh, 12 people hired at Tonka Toy in 1948. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, I, I can go on and on, but yeah. So you got a lot of Tonka experience. A lot of Tonka experience. Even without just being on the water for 30 years. Right. Yeah. So when, you're, when your grandparents live on Seton Channel, and we went there every Sunday... Until I started playing hockey. Yeah. Okay. That was, uh, that's what you did. And mm-hmm. didn't, didn't the owners of Tonka Toys live on Minnetonka as well? Uh, or close to? May have. I feel I, like, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but dad, our dad. Our dad worked there. Yeah, he did a construction job for them, and we got loaded up with Tonka trucks when we were kids, and it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still I, have those, actually. Yeah. I worked there the summer I graduated. Yeah. Okay. So. I think he, I don't think he lived on Minnetonka. I think he lived in Minnetonka, though. Okay. I don't remember being a lake there. I have no idea. I just remember Tonka trucks. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> remembers Tonka trucks. <laughs> I still have 54 of them. 54 Tonka trucks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy smokes. But, That's uh, a lot of Tonka trucks. That mm-hmm. is a lot of Tonka trucks. Well, I was at the right age. I suppose. Okay? I suppose. <laughs> That's what you got. For Christmas, birthdays, whatever the case may be. Well, it's like the Legos of now. I mean, sure. just, that's what you got. There wasn't many. Probably they were made out of steel and they last forever. So when I worked there in 74, sorry I'm dating myself, everybody, but 
They, we're talking 1974 now for folks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they did a commercial. The average home in the U.S. had seven Tonka toys. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except their business model is kind of unique that their toys never failed. Yeah, they last forever. I mean, they last for 100 years or, yep. or longer. Right. I'm guessing some of those are collector's items now. I bet you get, get some uh, good some, money on eBay for those things. Some are. Um, I still have... Uh, a boat hauler with all the boats, the Merck motors, red and white. Okay, that one's in mint condition. Wow. Uh, I can go on and on what I got, but I don't want to bore people with. <laughs> with but I have a long history. I'm listening. There. Yeah. I have a long history there, and and that's where we opened up, of course, normally, and because so, my dad was a fisherman, my mom's brother lived on Seton Lake itself. So, on the lake. On the lake, yeah. So if you're coming through Seton Channel, to the right, or, to the right, and then you know, because there's yep. not a and lot of houses bay. on that channel. Yeah, it's the it's the yellow one. Okay. And, th- and a lot of those houses weren't there. Okay. Oh, I'm sure you've seen the lake build up oh. in tremendous proportions. I mean, I remember as a kid on White Bear, <laughs> it wasn't that built up even when I was a kid. I mean, we'd go out on a Thursday afternoon, and there wasn't that many people fishing. Now it's a it's a different story. Well, well, let's just take Seton Channel. You couldn't have a dock. You could have a little dock that you could fish off, but you couldn't have a dock to park your boat. You had to have a cut-in into your land. Really? Yeah. And now those, and there's no cut-ins now. When my brother got the fir- his first jet boat, not what you think of today, it has a 454 in it, a uh, 20-foot boat or 21-foot boat from California. They put in a dock... And my grandfather and him fought the city of Mound that he could do that, and they won. And yeah, then and now, now you see it today. I still laugh when I go through there. This was never here when I was a kid. No. The wall was always there, okay? And they replaced that wall a few times. So, so I mean, so, cut out. They, like, legit dredged yeah. the yes. the shoreline and then probably built some kind of retaining wall so it didn't fall back in. Yeah, and, exactly, John. Yep, they didn't want them out in the... In the in the traffic pattern, but the same seawall has always been there. Yep, and it's just been changed through the years. It'll rust out. But how? I mean, they must have filled in all those cutouts then. Sure, because they're not there now. They sure did. Or they filled in them. I mean, okay, they filled them in. That's, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the shoreline would erode. Well, but I mean, like if they cut out these all these notches, they're not. There's no notches there now. If you drive, yeah, down you, that you channel. would never know it except me no, telling you. You would never know it. I can, I can probably bring you pictures that that had to be actually fairly expensive back in those days, unless they dug them by hand, which I well can't imagine. I don't think should. landscaping's ever been something people chintz on on Minnetonka. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, <laughs> so, that's, that's, there's a crazy point. Yeah, yeah. So that, I love that channel. You know, you know yeah, my feelings of that right. channel. If I had a nickel. For every fish I caught in that channel, oh. I wouldn't be here. It's <laughs> no joke. It's been a great, a great fishery my whole life. It's hard to imagine that with a beach and with cutouts. That's, mm-hmm. So I want to talk to you about the history of Tonka because, for, so for those of you listening who are not familiar with Minnetonka, it's the tenth largest lake in Minnesota by by area, but it's really a collection of how many bays? There's 24 bays. So 24 bays that are interconnected through channels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you go there, those channels look man-made, but they're not. They're, nope. The only one is the Narrows. 
which is replacing an, an older... It replaced the, what they call Old Channel Bay, okay? So on the Lock Point side, if you go around, you can see how the Road 19 goes real low to the water. And from the other side, that used to be a... You couldn't fish there as a spawning ground. Well, they took them out of it. So there's those three buoys down on the Lafayette side. Mm-hmm. And that's where the old channel was. My mom used to row her boat through there. So okay. was it navigable, all those channels, the original non-dredged uh, channels? I'm going to say to a point, but as the boats got bigger, then they started to dredge. Okay. Yeah, so, probably because, I mean, there's back in those days, I mean, even... I'm thinking of the mm-hmm. Brainerd Lakes area. You got the, some of the gull channels and stuff. They, you could get a boat through there, like a 14-footer. You, sure. But it was thin, and mm-hmm. our boats, a 14-footer is not the common boat anymore. Yeah. But yeah. all the channels in Tonka now look very canal-like. They are. They look like someone has come in with a, a but, backhoe and built a channel there. But they were connected. Okay. Okay. But it was like three different lakes, and they had they had an actual channel, but not... Not the wall and the deepness to them. Okay. Did they flow? Was there current there? Sure. So was some of the because the Minnehaha Creek was always there. Sure. Okay. So it was just I don't know what year they built a dam, but yeah, just in Maxwell, you know, or I'm sorry, in Grays. Grays. Yeah. 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 Well, you got fourteen. You got fourteen thousand acres, one hundred twenty-five miles of shoreline. Yeah. So that's like having twenty-four different lakes then. It's sure. the way it fishes too. Yep. And you know, it, I mean, anytime you have a channel, you have a different water mm-hmm. type. Or I mean, yeah, some are probably similar, but they're all very unique. Yes, and each bay has every fish in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't need to fish Minnetonka. You don't need to go from Gray's Bay to Halsteads. Learn one or two bays because you, you're going to you're going to find bass. You're going to find walleyes. You're going to find northerns. There's muskies in every bay, you know, and then of course sunnies and crappies. And some carp. A lot of carp. Mm-hmm. A lot, some of them have a 50% lot of carp. 50% of the biomass is carp. I believe it. If, okay. you, if you spend any time at the docks at Maynard's, mm-hmm. you've seen the carp there. Well, now there's a, it started a year ago. Um, on the other side of seven, they are trapping out those lakes, and then they put in a barrier coming into Tonka just out of, up the channel in Halsteads Bay. Is that... Is that the one that's just by Spirit Island? No. Nope. It goes, you know what I'm talking about? At, mm-hmm. at the very bottom of that bay. Yep, that's Brown's Bay. Then I'm okay. thinking of a different island. Halsted's Crane, Crane, Crane Island. Crane Island. Crane Island. Nope. You, you got to go. But there's a channel back there that's nope, that like goes, a that goes game. to Victoria. Okay. Okay, and Victoria drains from up high into, into Minnetonka. Sure. Sure. Okay. So can you travel to Victoria? No. no. And no. it's not clear through the map either. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I discovered the Minnetonka yeah. secret. And I spent a lot of time driving back there. And it was a dead end. <laughs> and Larry looked at me like. But that channel is the first place I caught a muskie. Oh, I would believe it. And it's deep back there. I, I caught it reeling in a sunny. It bit the sunny? Yep. And the little... Ice fly I had on was nicked into its. Lip. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Seven foot rod, four pound test line. <laughs> okay. That's like a, like a 40 incher. We didn't measure them. You know, that's just. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So in 30 years of fishing that water professionally. Yep. That lake has changed a lot. 
Yes. A lot, a lot. And the fishing has gotten better. Which is crazy because mm-hmm. the pressure is definitely but not going away. It's incredible what, what pressure Tonka gets and keeps giving. Okay, it keeps giving. I don't know how else to put it. Um, but you, the, okay, you think that, I mean, honestly, is that because there's a lot of true sportsmen in the area? There's a lot of people that catch early. I know musky, musky guys, there's very few that ever, if they're true musky guys, they don't keep really any fish. Right. You know, they're just out there to have fun mm-hmm. and, and get follows and catch fish here and there. But I am I know it gets a lot of pressure, but is it more a lot of people catch or release? There's a lot of people keeping fish on that lake. Is there? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just, I'm not, I, I don't fish that lake. Well, if you go on the shorelines, I mean, the shorelines right. are covered with people keeping fish, which is totally fine. But I think it's just such a, a fertile fertile lake it's got farmland all around it and okay i'm gonna get a little scientific on yeah. you it, you know what a mesotrophic lake is nope okay so let's start at the beginning so you got eurotrophic lake that's an old lake a swamp okay okay like so, a bog like a bog where it's yeah deep a, water a, a duck hunt yeah. yeah so it has silted in so you know at one time it was a, a pristine beautiful piece of water right then the next one is meso and actually so you have weeds mm-hmm. um it's starting to still and so it's in the middle point of its life, and it's actually a mid-meso, meaning even it's, you know, 50 years old, okay? But in, the, you know, the earth, it's a gazillion years old. And then mm-hmm. take your Canadian Shields, oleotrophic lakes. Those are new lakes, glacier lakes, okay, vermilion, and all that stuff like that is, that's what the three categories of lakes are no matter where you live but so how does that affect the fish population you have more cover than you would in a canadian shield lake you have so you have forage forage base has places to hide instead of just rocks so they get weeds and oxygen mm-hmm. okay um and then everything else can survive in it easily okay yeah. very easily it's it's so it has spawning grounds. It has, you know, most of them spawn on weeds to a point. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the walleyes, only 9% of the walleye spawn. And the crappies and the muskies spawn right in the same spot. I watched it happen. Um, it's just an incredible fishery. It just happens to be a very important, and people don't talk, it's the most, one of the most important lakes in our state. The money that is spent, forget the houses, the money that is spent on fishing per hour on Lake Minnetonka has to be incredible. I'm sure. Okay. The fish hours on it, it doesn't stop. And then the ice fishing, if you, Harrison's Bay, uh, I know this year because the ice is crummy, but normally you have a huge... Or your your neighborhood, Seton and Black. Yeah, Black. crazy. Yeah, because that's the first one to freeze, but you have to come down the hill, so it's not that easy to get to. You got to be dedicated to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, black's another one. The pressure on there. That one day when I went by, there had to be two hundred hub houses on it. I'm not joking, and they were lined up on the ice. There, uh, at least a million, a uh, hundred trucks, three long rows. Okay. And Black Lake is not big. No, it's like there was 50, not 60 acres. You went. I just laughed to myself. And I fished by myself by Goose Island. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 
It helps to have 30 years of, of well, spot knowledge, too. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny how, why aren't you guys moving somewhere else and drilling a hole? Yeah. Okay. But, but it's sometimes that crowd theory with ice fishing. You know, you get one, like, two or three guys to fish, and then you get four or five, and then those two more guys come up. They must be catching fish. Even though no one's catching fish, they're just out there in a crowd. Mm-hmm. I also think that... Tonka is a little bit scary on ice because it's so big. Well, and, there's so many channels, too. And there's frequently people that make mistakes out there. Yes. So if you see a place where it's obviously safe to be, mm-hmm. there's a draw just because of the safety factor. So uh, last week I was snowmobiling for a week. Prior to that, um, on the main lake, three to seven inches. That's it's crazy. It. No one's out there. Okay, so everybody's jammed into the bays, but I've never dared the main lake in the winter. Uh, I've got it me. many times, but you got to have ice, Dan. I mean, Browns Bay goes to 107 feet deep, and Crystal goes to 113. Yeah, you want to drive on that? I don't. Not, okay, not me. I I don't like falling through. The I ice. drove across West Arm last year, and it scared the scared the heck out of me. Yeah, and I was in a very clearly mm-hmm. marked trail. Okay, and it was still spooky. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, so, that's, and that's, that's one of the fertile areas. So, yeah. So I know that, you know, our family and you know, full disclosure, Larry and I have gone way back. So Larry yeah. is, uh, Larry's daughter and I went to high school together. We're good friends. We went to, you know, we ran in the same circle and, and whatnot. So I've known you for, for many, many years. Um, but back when I started fishing with my dad, we would go to Minnetonka all the time in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands and going back now, this, you know, now going back to those same locations that we used to fish, the water's not the same. You know, mm-hmm. we would spend a lot of time in St. Albans. We'd spend a lot of time in Maxwell and North arm and it's not the, the, the dirty oh, water no. that it used to be. Oh. It's clear. It's, mm-hmm. it's very clean looking. And that has a lot to do with, the invasive species that have come in there. Absolutely. Let's go back to the 80s, okay? When the when the milfoil came, everybody freaked out. But us guys who were out there, and then the history of me, you could see the lake get a little clearer. And by the way, there weren't loons on the lake till sometime in the 80s. They didn't nest there. They didn't do anything there. And the reason why? They got a sea to eat. Mm. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say loons are a visual. They don't even, they don't have mm-hmm. senses. I mean, they're, they're a diver type. Yeah. So, yes. So, so it filtered out stuff. And then, and then in the sixties and in, in uh, Excelsior Bay, I don't want to talk too much about that, but in like 64, it had what's called red algae and that comes from septic systems. So they went on a big war to eliminate what they could, city water and sewer, all that stuff. Um, the islands don't have it, of course. But once they did that, it slowly started coming back, but the milfoil just kicked it in gear. Mm-hmm. Okay, and everybody hated the milfoil. Well, then when the zebes came along, it got clearer. When, when did the zebes come along? It wasn't too long, it was no, it? Or no, no, 2007, somewhere in there. Okay, so, something like that. But it didn't take long. And that I noticed right off the bat, the sunfish started getting bigger, fatter. And if you put them in your live well, they, 
fish regurgitate. So whether it's a bass or a, a walleye, sunfish, the bottom of my live wells, always having a white boat, look like pepper. But they're eating the shells? They're eating, they're eating them, yep. Mm. So here, so it, have I you mean, ever been... Well, okay, shell cracker sunfish, that's, that's what they, aren't they, that's what they're known for is eating crustaceans. Crustaceans, and, yes. Yeah. Okay, so have you ever been nipped by a sunny? Constantly. Um, yeah, a lot of times they're going after a freckle. It's something like that, okay? Yep. Now take that to a, a little zeb on a stock, because most of them, they're on, on weed stocks. And so they're just picking them off, and they're getting fatter. <laughs> it's I've, just I've like se- corn. I mean, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just grazing that, yeah, at that point. Yeah, and I'll, also, so I've, I have filleted bass so on, and, and uh, walleyes out of Tonka, and I've caught, uh, used to be full of like four-inch perch. Now you're starting to get nine inches or more. Well, everything's that, eating well. Yes. So it's almost like a freshwater shrimp of the Dakotas mm-hmm. type thing, where you're you're getting a different. Now, have you noticed a flavor change? I know, like perch out no. of the Dakotas, they taste totally different than. Well, and those are out of more fertile water. Yeah, I mean that's a that's right. real fertile water. Yeah. So, no, I haven't eaten any of these perch that I've caught, but okay. they're they're they are definitely incredibly bigger i mean three four times bigger than what they were my whole life so the zebra mussels and the milfoil have cleaned the water up clean the water up and made it more fish habitat yes okay yes yeah, but so they both have such a negative there's got to be a downside as well right no nothing i i haven't seen a downside it's just the propaganda that's been played to them okay it also happens to be a money grab I don't, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But here's what happened with the zebes. Okay, so the zebes came, and they clear up the water. So you have a weed line that's at 13 feet. Now it's at 16 feet. Now it goes down to 20. Okay. Because the sun can penetrate deeper. Yep, because sunlight can get through there. And there's, they said all the plankton's going to go away. Uh-uh. There's, a good, there's so many pounds of plankton in that lake now because you have more forest. And you used to see pods of minnows. Okay, and you're located, you'd see pods. Now I see 50 yards of minnows. Okay, it's a fact. It, anybody want to get in my boat and watch? I can show you exactly what I'm talking about. That didn't happen. But what it's done, it's made more forest. It's made more habitat. So what happens? Minnows have more places to hide. So do sunfish. So do crayfish, the thing they don't talk a lot about. Now, did you, you see a resurgence of crayfish? I Huge. Know, because the, the areas that I fish primarily, we mm-hmm. lost crayfish for, I would say, the last 10 years. But the last year, we've been starting to see crayfish again for the first time in, I mean, forever, at least on a consistent basis, where you actually see them on the bottom scooting around. I'm like, Does oh, your lake mm-hmm. have zebes? Not confirmed yet, Not but confirmed. I, there's 15 it, lakes around it that have zebes. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yes, Pelican up in Breezy's got zebes, Gull's got zebes. I mean, it's just a matter of time. You can't, it's seemingly, right. you can't stop Mother Nature. No. And you can't stop every single boat. So, it's do you see, like, does it seem like the population of zebra mussels stabilized? Or is I, th- it- I think so. Um, I had a scientist from NOAA in my boat. Just on a fluke. 
okay? And this is right when we got him. And he was, he spent um, three years on Erie and two years on on uh, Mich- Lake Michigan. And his science is what's in the water column. He's not a fisheries biologist, but Zeebs got thrown into his water column because of the villagers, all right? His name is Andy. Anyway, he told... Hi, Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. He told me that... um, He was here for a wedding. He told me that the Zeebs are here. They're going to explode. Then they're going to drop back down because they can't sustain themselves. He said they're never really going to go away, but they're going to go down to a controllable... uh, uh, Balance. uh, Yes. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like, is it like dandelions in the spring, right? You get tons of dandelions for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. if you don't really touch them, wait a, wait a week or two and then mow your grass, they're gone. There's, there's not, they don't, it doesn't take over your whole yard within two weeks. Right. Okay, so, so when they spawn, and they also spawn at 55 degrees. The zebra mussels? Yeah. So the little villagers are floating around. So now you have your mallard, you have your loon, that lands then flies across highway seven into christmas lake where they've tried to nuke the heck out of it okay well 200 yeah. yards away is the st albans bay well okay those little larvae are still they're still on wet. they're still wet and then there's i mean they're just mm-hmm. gonna get redistributed through that lake yes okay and that's what's that's what's spreading them ducks geese coot um eagles so is your it muskrats your- swimming up a up a creek, you're playing catch with your dog. Do you it think that, there's, that that the, all the AIS is, is not worth any time? Or do you think that we should still be doing the clean, drain, dry, all of that? Well, I think you should do that anyway. Okay, I'm not, a, I'm not against it, but I'm against the waste of time of the weed cops. Okay, I've made friends with them. But... Um, so they're only there from eight to four thirty. At mid at midnight, how many? I mean, honestly, <laughs> how many guys are checking their boat, looking underneath their trailer? You're not looking underneath your trailer. You're going. It's midnight. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. So transporting it, I, I have boats done it. Sure. Uh, how about your wakeboard boats that can't pump all that water out, and they go to X Y Z next lake? And they hit that button. Okay. So I, I, I don't think man is the problem. I think wildlife is moving it. And that's the that's same with the, with the milfoil. When the milfoil came, everywhere the geese were, were sitting, that's where the milfoil grew because they poop it out. It's all fertilized, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> it's, it's Scott's uh, Scott's turf builder milfoil built into one little pellet. There you go. And then oh. me being a duck hunter, I go to places where you have to carry in your boat. And what's there? Eurasian milfoil. Okay. How did it get there? So why do you think the lake associations are so terrified they, of it? They got all riled up. Okay. But is it like because Zeb's cut your feet when you're swimming or I, I that's saw, what they claim i i don't know i've never been cut i fish pelican 
quite okay. a bit this year and went breezy. And they mm-hmm. just got Zeep, so it, it is mm-hmm. kind of an explosion all of a sudden. And we went to Bird Island, which is famous for, oh, you know, so many Zeebs, so many mm-hmm. Zeebs. That's what my cousin kept saying, who, who lives pretty close to that mm-hmm. lake. There was like legitimately a 100-foot circle, five little clusters of, my kids were playing with them. They thought yeah. they were awesome. Yeah, they never cut their feet. You mm-hmm. don't step on them, though. I mean, it's one right. of those things. You gotta. It's a lake. There's stuff in it. I mean, you could step on a stick. Mm-hmm. You could step on a hook. You could step on anything. You just had to pay attention a little bit. And they weren't as crazy as they everyone thought they were gonna be. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone claimed that they were eating their lower units and stuff. Right. And I, you never saw any of that. Do you think that there's other lakes that are less diverse than Minnetonka that could be negatively affected by them? I don't see how. No. Okay. I just just my own. I've seen I've seen the fish get bigger. I've seen the water get clearer. What more do you want? Okay? And the, and the myth of you can't catch fish in clear water is such a such a thing that people sucked into too, okay? What do you mean you can't catch fish in clear water? We had a place on Oswald McKee for 25 years. It was 22 you could see down 22 feet in 1993, okay? Did that have Zeebs in it early? Yeah, that was one of the first ones. Okay, that's what I remember. As, and did as you as bring them in Minnetonka? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, they, they found them on a dock that a guy had bought. Mm. That's how that started. Well, that's what they were going to say, right? Well, I mean, it could have been a, a duck that uh, yeah. sat in a little spot. and Fishing on Minnetonka is different than it used to be, though. And it, it, cha- it, it changes. So you just have to adapt to it. Yes. You know, now it's the Ned Rigs or the, mm-hmm. the Jig Worms, as the locals call it. And it's uh, deep, deep, patient, slow fishing versus the way a lot of bass guys want to just go out and, and pound Flip. the banks and and be fast moving. It's, but that's, that's... That's how it works. You mm-hmm. adapt to what you got. Right. And there's still places that I fished as a five-year-old. I still fish today. Mm-hmm. Well, some of those probably true spots, spot on the spot is Mm -hmm. what some people call them. They don't change. No. I mean, some years they're better than others. Um, But I kind of want to talk about that uh, after our break here because I have some questions for you because I found some fascinating things with fishing that I'm sure you've seen stuff that's more unbelievable than I even want to dream about. But let's, uh, let's take a commercial break. Okay. Um, before we do though, so we're just going to tease our, our giveaway for the week. So when we come back from break, we're going to pose a question and whoever comments on our Facebook page first with the guest that's closest to the right answer is going to win a prize pack from our sponsor, Freedom Baits. So stay tuned when we come back from break. Hey everybody, this is Dan from the Iceman coming to talk about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. If you're in the market for a new custom rod, check us out. And it's never too early to start thinking about open water. Check the website, tunedupcustomrods.com, and use our promo code ICEMAN. That's one word, ICEMAN, to save 10% off your order today. And this week, we are giving away a mega pack of Freedom Baits. Check them out at freedombaits.com. Use the code ACPF10 for 10% off in your next order. Nope. Pardon me? Nope. 
You want to know why? Nope. Because you wouldn't pass the initiation. What initiation? Well, for starters, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. What? You have to purify yourself in Lake Minnetonka. Oh, Apollonia. I didn't know what was happening there for a second, but <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Purple rain. <laughs> yeah. Sneak that in there on us, Tom. I like it. That's pretty good. That, that, was, pretty that, good. Was, that was really good. It took me a second to figure out what I was hearing. There. Really appropriate for this episode. I, that was not filmed on Lake Minnetonka, by the way. Probably not. It was not. Okay, so we uh, teased a, a giveaway before we went to break. So let's come back. We're going to do our um, our giveaway, and we're going to go back to the beginning of this show. So let's see how many of you guys know this. So the first person who we see comment on the Iceman Facebook page with the correct answer is going to win the mega pack of baits by our sponsor, Freedom Baits. The question is, what year can Larry Hansen trace his family lineage back to Lake Minnetonka. Again, what year can Larry Hansen trace his family lineage back on Lake Minnetonka? And it's not a random number. He said it at the very beginning of this show. Good luck. It's like one of those tests. Remember the teacher? <laughs> Were you paying attention in the first five minutes of class? People are going to be fiercely... Like uh, rewinding, rewind. rewinding the episode right our, now. Our metrics are going to be insane for the first two minutes. <laughs> I actually, speaking of rewinding stuff, I watched a video, a VHS tape with my kids. You know how awkward that is? How to, did you find a VHS player? We had a VHS player. We, we had to rewind it. My kid's like, why do you have to rewind a DVD? I'm like, it's not a DVD. He goes, it, it pushed the eject button. He's like, what is that? Like it's a cassette tape. <laughs> Your kids are are almost too old to uh, to comment. I bet a lot of kids younger than yours don't even know what a DVD is anymore. They're struggling. They don't know what CDs are. They yeah. found out because my kids put a CD in the DVD player, and they're like, "Why is this not a movie?" I'm like, "It's a CD. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers." They're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Oh, geez." <laughs> we just threw away a hundred pack of blank CDs. I'm like, did. where did you find that? I, somewhere, I, somewhere in a closet. Is Were there you, some floppies in underneath that? Oh, no, we didn't go that far back. <laughs> Although I do still have some from college. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I was spring cleaning this weekend, and I found a big stack wrapped of CDs as well with the white uh, like adhesive label that you could write on. So yeah. it's like your favorite oh, yeah. mix CD. Oh, yeah. I was like, what are you going to do with those? I said, I think I'm going to shoot at them because they're saying, I mean, what do you, I do don't you know even what, have a DVD. Do you know what's CD? actually really cool, which sounds dangerous, is if you put a CD in the microwave and put it for like 10 seconds. What? Why? It's what? like a spider web of electricity goes yeah, through it. Yeah, it, sh- it shoots through all the metal and it, you can see the arc. It's not, it doesn't like 10 blow seconds it. is way too long, by the way. Is guys. it? It's like five seconds. Okay. okay. That, whoa, whoa, stop. Asterisk disclaimer: We do not endorse doing this, but no, I literally do. Do that at home. <laughs> it's not my house. It's not my yeah, kids. Yeah. Okay. Do not try this at home. The Icemen do not approve of this. Two uh, custom rods does not approve of this. Yeah. Well, you got to cover your bases. I say yeah. go for it. If our if our standard listener of thirty five to forty four can't figure out not to burn their house down, then I guess I'm not going to feel too bad about it. It's cool. Try it, John. I'm not and only John. It. Dan, I am not trying it. My wife's new microwave. Dan, do you remember when I bought a brand new like hundred dollar cordless phone when I was like oh maybe I know 12 about this story. or so and I was like oh let me see how this reception sounds upstairs. Oh let me see what happens if I put it in the microwave. Can you still hear me? Oh yeah it's still it's still working. Let me see if I push the micro turn the microwave on for one second. 
Goodbye, cordless phone. Yep. I remember <laughs> Forever. That. You destroyed that. <laughs> yeah. Poor Austin. He never knew what hit him. Nope. You guys ever mar- uh, put a microwave in the marshmallow for 10 minutes? A microwave Let's in the marshmallow? Again. A marshmallow in the um, microwave? Yeah. Okay. A marshmallow in the microwave. Yeah, they say that huge. Yeah. And they, they, then they get small. Yeah. And they turn into like super glue. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Another one, uh, um, the hard candy. What, what are those big... Uh, like gum, like jawbreakers. Yeah, jawbreakers. If you put one of those in a microwave, the center of it turns like molten, but the outside stays hard. Yeah, because microwaves cook from the outside in or the inside out. Yeah, it's it's bad news, and it's basically becomes like uh, napalm and um, glow sticks. Ooh, I haven't tried that one. Glow sticks in a microwave. They Are they these they uh, get college uh, drinking games. <laughs> I, I hope so. Okay. Uh, maybe I should go back to college. They get very 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 bright. And then they break. Yeah. So don't huh. do that one, though. You'll break. You wreck your microwave. Let's get back to Minnetonka. This oh, is yeah, the weirdest, here. weirdest yeah. tangent ever. <laughs> Glad we're giving away good. a big pack of, pack of baits for our customers because they're going to be like, what What did I just listen to? Yeah. Off to a deep- we, we went somewhere. We went on a tangent there. Larry, we, you were dropping some super knowledge on us here before we went to break. It's awesome to pick your brain. This is conversations that we've had, obviously, for years to, together. But I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. So, but here's what I got to say: that yes, I have three daughters. Everybody, mm-hmm. they don't live here. They're also very good, great fishermen. I have no one to share this with, so I might as well share it with people I know. Yeah. So I, I get. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this. So. Oh well, it's it's. We really appreciate it. I've benefited from your knowledge a ton. I've shared before, Lake Minnetonka is my absolute favorite lake in this in the world. I mm-hmm. love it, and even with all the traffic and all the, you know, potential headaches that it has, it's I can't get enough of it. It's mm-hmm. so it's so unique and close and productive. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Dan. Yeah. We'll have to take a trip with Larry this year because I am in serious need of some guide help. You've never got guide with Larry? No, your other brother has, and your dad has. Yeah, okay. so. Larry, Larry, when I when I was getting back into fishing, uh, Steve, who you guys, if you've been longtime listeners, heard him on the Brian Schnazy episode. Steve and I uh, went to high school together with your daughter Jillian, mm-hmm. and um, we hired you. We, yep. we we went on a guide trip with you, and uh, it was just so cool to be able to go on on a property of water that I've been on many times, but to have you to watch the way that you go about dissecting it, and. Uh, I learned the the technique that's caught more bass for me than anything on that trip, the wacky rig, mm-hmm. which is something I never would have tried before because it looks it looks almost kind of dumb. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it should work. It, what my dad calls it is the mustache worm because yeah. that's what he thinks of it when it goes <laughs> down in the water. And he thought it was dumb. For it's the first. just a deadly rig. We, my kid and I went on a bite and we smoked bass for three hours before he finally said, give me one of those. And he caught one. He's like, this is fun. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And, and my dad, you, we had, you, we went on a second time and had my dad and brother and he loves the wacky rig. Now he does it up at his lake. He thinks it's awesome. Yeah. It's my, da- my dad stole my entire box of black wacky rigs and hooks and everything else. So I, that'll I happen. He enjoys it too. And and some of that knowledge is, I, I think clear lakes like Minnetonka do benefit from wacky's. Mm-hmm. more than a dirty lake. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it works on dirty water, but that black worm coming down, you can see that thing mm-hmm. forever. 
Well, the, the if you lot watch the worms that Larry pulls out, he's not picking. It's not always green pumpkin. No. Nope. Get a lot of pinks, a lot yep. of. Yep. A lot of orange and pink. Uh, the Lena Lures bags. They yes, come with right. lots of colors. Yep. And you got to have colors. I mean, just, you got to have. And they work. Yeah. I mean, they, you, I've seen people catch bass on, on sour patch worms. So, I mean. Yeah, right. It, it, it works regardless, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, remember the, the time with your dad and your other brother? Uh, and Dan was throwing a, a frog. Mm-hmm. And um, what's fun for me is, yep, I get to become the coach. And when they listen and you have success, it, I'll never forget this day. Dan is working a frog super fast. And I said, no, man, slow down. Cast it back out. Slow down. Let the rings disappear. And then just give it a little pull again. And same thing. It's like I let that 20-incher out of a cage. <laughs> it was there. It was there. And I just went, man. Right there. It was there, like I said it would be, but it, Dan did the execution perfectly. It was that was so fun. I love so, frog fishing. Yeah. But that's, I mean, Larry, that's as a guide, um, you kind of help people refine their because Dan knew how to fish it, but just not fish it right for that area. And it was just yes. a little. It was a very small tweak, mm-hmm. but it made all the difference. And that's, I think, that's what a, what people don't realize. Sometimes a guide is more of a teacher. And if you're willing to learn, they'll teach you a lot more than you're, you're going to bargain for. I mean, it's guiding is, I, I think probably a super rewarding thing on the same regards too, because mm-hmm. you're learning every day on the water as well. And I can learn from my customers too. I tell them that, but all I hope is they learned one thing in the time we spend, just like if I do a seminar, I hope somebody learns one thing that they can use the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my goals, anyway. And both times I've been out on a guide trip with you, I've learned many new things. You showed how to troll spinnerbaits, mm-hmm. the, the correct speed, one point <laughs> seven miles an hour. You well, said that's, that's the it, magic number. It, I, that's just experience on that. Too. Unfortunately, my trolling motor couldn't go one point seven. Well, so you, 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 can't have, go, you can't go one point seven. Not have, on my old one. On, oh, my what, new one. What? Did you get a new boat? I today? might have gotten a new boat today. <laughs> new boat day. He's not going to sleep for weeks. <laughs> And wait till it gets inside his garage. <sighs> Can't wait. My I'm going to be out there chopping ice when it comes. My wife always jokes when my boat comes home from storage. She's like, you're happier than on our wedding day. That's right. <laughs> and We've I had this I, conversation. And already. I said, you, you have no idea. I said, it's, it's way more guaranteed than the wedding night. <laughs> it's like having a baby every year, right? Like a, yeah, like I mean, a brand new happy baby. But that, what's the that most, you don't have to put diapers on. It's like having a four-year-old because four is a lot of fun. Baby's a lot of work. Yeah, babies are a mess. But what, what I always—it's a baby that you want to stay up for. But you have question mark. It's <laughs> like it's a treasure hunt every year. That I get my boat out. I'm like, oh, I forgot these 15 Plano boxes full of lures. That's that's what it is for me. Mm-hmm. Your boat, Larry. I mean, how many days is it, are you guiding a year? Well, it's normally 170. 170. Is that yeah. days or trips? Uh, well, okay, let's call them trips. Because okay. you do double trips. I'll do double trips. Yeah, and then occasionally. Wonderful three in a day. Three in a day. What do you not sleep? So not well, they're only four hours a piece. Oh. Okay. So you can do it. And it's it's only in a, uh, like a three week period. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, just the, the, the longest June, day. June, May, June. June. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can't do them in August. No. It's, it gets too dark. So. And, that and I don't bo- like fishing in the dark with people. I don't. You like, guys know the story. But, no, I don't. I, I'm. 
Okay. If I'm fishing in the dark, I always tell people that I, I do a lot of fishing in the dark in the spring. And it's like you have two rods out, you have headlamps, there's nothing in the bottom of the boat, there's nothing to trip over mm -hmm. because everything's a hazard at night. Everything. You got to be so organized. And then I worry about the other people. Yeah, because yeah. if you if okay. you cast the wrong and way, the lake the lake that you're on, mm -hmm. the other people are the problem. As we heard just this week with the hit and run snowmobile accident on Minnetonka, there's people out there that can cause you problems. Mm -hmm. But that happens every year. I it mean, does. I, I mean, right? And it. I'm Have you been on Minnetonka at night, John? No, it I, is, I don't go. I don't go to Metro Lakes at night. Minnetonka at night is a magical place. It is not it, it like is. any other lake at night because it doesn't feel. It doesn't have that like isolating feel. It feels more like it's well, it's it's, it's not, all lit up. It's not a lonely feel. No, it's you 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 feel alone, but you feel surrounded. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I don't know how to explain it. But Minnetonka at night, you can cruise at the twenty mile an hour speed limit forever. Yeah, and it's the water's usually much calmer at night, mm -hmm. and there's all the beautiful homes with all the beautiful uh, you know uh, landscaping. In the city, are you, are you talking about summer or winter? Actually, in the winter, Minnetonka at night is also amazing. Mm -hmm. But in, in both in both situations, the summer summertime on Minnetonka at night is a, a, is much better than say Maple Lake at night. Maple Lake at night is a hot, steamy pile of bugs. Okay, yeah, I was going to say I've, I've, most of the time. I mean, like yeah. some of the lakes that I fish up north, when it turns night. And if there's a little fog that rolls in, you can't find your way home unless you have a GPS because mm -hmm. there are no lights. That, there are no cities. There's that's what I was going to say about Minnetonka. Like disclaimer, there's so many bays and it's so gigantic. I feel like if you don't have a GPS or you don't know where you are, it's very easy to get lost. There. But you, when you know where you're going, you feel like Magellan out there. It's like you have conquered the world. Well, the best thing that ever happened was mapping. Okay? Oh, yeah. So you can follow your map back through the buoys. I... I I know where I'm going, but you got the boats out there with lights. You have highways with lights. And then you got the houses with lights. And you think you're locked onto a boat. Uh-uh. That's a house or a, a car on the road. And all of a sudden, dang, here's a boat. It's you. That might have been a house. Okay. So, and there's buoys that are sometimes lit, sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes not. Yeah. And plenty of rock piles to go over. And mm -hmm. so you got to know what this, you're doing. This sounds awful. I mean, I so a few years ago, disclaimer, I almost hit a boat um, on a lake up north. I was driving at night, and the guy didn't have his lights on. And I came oh. un, to, to the point mm -hmm. where I, like, I won't say how close I was, yeah. but I probably could have gave the guy a high five. No lights on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 20 miles an hour. I wasn't going fast but i was going enough of a clip that i could make it home in some timely matter but he had no lights on and i mean i cranked my wheel as hard as i possibly could almost threw my passenger out of the boat but it's like i want is it better in the cities as far as people respect they leave their boat lights on I, up north i mean i mean still there's a lot of old timers they, they don't turn their boat lights on i i detest these guys that don't have their lights on because that's 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 my biggest fear you 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 just set yourself up for a terrible situation. And it's not the guy that hits you's fault. No. And Tonka's pretty well yeah. policed. I oh, mean yeah. the sheriff is out there and they're mm -hmm. gonna get you if you're Yeah, if you don't if if you're not following the rules, they're they're around. So say sunset is at nine oh three at, at June twenty first. You don't have your lights in and it hits nine oh four, you're getting a ticket. 
Mm-hmm. I'm all well, that, for. That, I'm all for it. That's I, I absolutely okay. because that's that's a. It's still light enough, but nope. It's after sunset. You can kill someone, and you can ruin someone else's life. Exactly. I mean, even if you don't. I mean, it's it could be a tragic accident instantly. Mm-hmm. I, I leave both my lights on all the time. I don't ever. You know, I know. You can just have the white light off your park, but it's like no, mm-hmm. leave both of them on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. At least somebody no, sees. I never me. turn the bow light off. I, I don't spend a lot of time on Tonka at night, but when I, it is just a, it's different than a different, it's different than most lakes at nighttime. And I'm sure your I mean, your clients, you, you probably drop them off at shore around yeah. dusk and then you have to go back to wherever you exactly. launched yeah. from. And, and this is what I do for safety. Now I should wear a life jacket all the time. I put my life jacket on and I text my wife. I'm leaving here to go back to Maxwell or to North Arm or to Spring Park. So she knows if something happens to me, she send, knows the route. Yeah. She knows the route I went. It sounds dumb, but I've, I've done it ever since I've been a guy, never since cell phones came out with texting. Mm-hmm. Okay. It used to be a phone call to her. Okay. That's smart. That, but I just think she, she should know. And if she don't, she can find Dave. Okay. Well, and if you're sitting there in the water, treading water, yeah. and she knows that you know you're 20 minutes late, she can make a call, and you have a much better chance than right than you know being out there all night long. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she knows that. Hey, and when I get off, then I tell her, "Hey, I'm off." Okay. Yeah. But that's that. I mean, that. I mean, that's kind of a courtesy thing. I always text my wife when I'm leaving the lake, is like during the ice, because even two weekends ago. We were driving back on the wheelers, and when the path that we've went over a million times before, there was a two and a half foot ice heave that I hit, wrecked a little bit of stuff. My dad hit twice as hard as I did, broke his heater. Um, I mean, it's I, a water conditions change, ice conditions change, and people don't realize how fast it can change, and something can go very bad quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to how you approach your fishing, Larry. Because I've spent time in your boat, and it, it's it's, I firmly believe. Now this is me. This is me yep. speaking. That when you hire a guide, you're not necessarily hiring catching fish. You're you're hiring the chance to catch fish. But for me, like when I hired hired out to go with you with Steve and with my dad and brother, I wanted to I wanted to know where to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm sure part of your business is challenging because you're giving away your spots mm-hmm. every day, every day, every day. And I'm sure that you see people who you recognize from trips out there in their boats mm-hmm. in those same spots in the future. And on a place that's so busy and so popular like Minnetonka, there's not a lot of, I, I mean, there's limited places for people to go. Mm-hmm. You said you have hundreds yes hundreds of fishing places to go mm-hmm. that's crazy most of those are well okay some may only be good for three days some might be good for two weeks some might be good for four months okay mm-hmm. and that's just experience being on it my whole life that i know that then you find spots and you know spot on the spot how about spot on the spot of the spot Okay, and it comes down to normally it's a hard bottom spot inside a weed weed bed. 
That's that what, you would no, no one would ever find unless they drove over it in the spring yes. when there was no weeds mm-hmm. and put a waypoint on it. Right. And now with, uh, with the 360, with the 360 you can find them a little easier, okay? Because um, you got a, a big... Uh, hay- so if you look at a 360, all right? So you got this round circle, goes out 80 feet. And so it's it's just like side imaging but so you got these haystacks and that's just the weeds and all of a sudden boom here's a light spot Mm -hmm. that's that's the hard bottom that's the hard bottom and there's so many places that i've been lucky enough to fish hard bottom and not knowing it until locators got better okay and side imaging and down imaging got better and then the 360 even helped that tell me that I'm fishing hard bottom spots. Yeah. Okay. So you're a hummingbird guy then just uh Yeah. Okay. I mean I'm just curious cuz that's I want to uh, And and it wasn't by design, out. it was by default. Um when I got my Larson, Lawrence was out of what I wanted. Okay? Well, got to change. <laughs> well, that makes and, sense. Sometimes you're a product of what is available. Right. right. And then I became a uh a bird guy. I used to be a Lorance okay. guy until oh. I bought my new boat, and then I got a Helix, and I was like, "Wow, is this thing easier than mm-hmm. my Lorance?" And that, yeah, it, no, I mean, just it was more user friendly in mm-hmm. my mind. And you know. I'm not, I don't have a, a thing, a bad thing to say about Garmin or Lorance. Um, once you get used to it, but I had Lorances forever. Okay, forever. Lorance used to be the king because yeah, well, Hummingbird was the. The cheap brand. L- the LMS 350 with the plotter screen. That was the first one you could punch GPS po- GPS points into, follow a trail. I mean, that's like 96 or 97. God, I it can't believe inc- how much was, this industry's changed. It I changed. Mean, it's just, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been light years. Well, I'm going to tell you that for me, the greatest thing of electronics Forget what I said about a 360 or about a pan-op. It's the color. Mm. Now, now I'm going to tell you why. Okay, so on your mapping, forget forget the locator side of it. This is just the mapping side. When I could change my color, so I, I run 0 to 5 feet in red. Then I run 6 to 10 feet in green. Then I go uh, a little yellowish just out to 13 feet. That shows you every little turn, every little underwater point. You're looking at this big weed flat, right? And it's just this big maze. No, turn off that locator and look at that map. You're going to see all this irregularities, and you go, wow, what? So when that happened for me, that also changed my world. Forget what I could see you know, on the locator side, it was what those colors showed me. Instead of looking at, I'm gonna just call them isobars. You know, it's it's the, it's the map. You know, mm-hmm. the I call them isobars. It's just easier. Okay, so you're looking for tight ones and I'll give it some color, man, and it all just pops. And now, and now it's, you know, it's so accurate that yeah. it it was a for me it was is one of those aha moments that. I know this flat inside and out. I don't know this flat inside. All of a sudden, you learn something real new. Exactly. Okay. Well, and that's, you know, I was kind of 
getting to that point, if, if you have 300 spots marked that you go to, mm-hmm. roughly, that lake is a lot bigger than 300 spots. Oh, my gosh. You drive past a lot of water that you don't fish. That's right. And I think that's something that is really scary and daunting for a new person or for a person unfamiliar with water is 85% of that lake is not, it doesn't have fish in it. it. So how do you find the spot to go to? What's the 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. That's actually probably like a 90-10 rule. Yeah, it used to be a 10% of the fish are... 90% of the fish are in 10% 10 of the water. water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how do you do it? Just go searching. Mm -hmm. Just go searching. Okay. And when you find the edge of the weeds, okay, number one, I always start shallow and then work deeper. But as the weeds grow, then then you now have a distinct weed line instead of this stair step down. Yep. Okay. Um, That's how I have some fat, hard, fast rules too. Like I remember you gave us a, you gave me and, and my partner, Steve, a date. You said, this is the date that you start fishing deep. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like. It was like June 18th. June 23rd. Yeah. Okay. Like, this is the date, deep date. I, I watched it for so many years that these were bass now. Yeah. But you can use it to other fish. In that 20, the 23rd of June, they now are home. They've done their spawning. They've moved out onto those 8 to 10 foot flats. And then all of a sudden they've recouped. And now they're ready to get the feed bag on and they all moved out to the edge. Okay. Yep. That, yeah. And it's true. That's true. <laughs> we we, okay. we still have followed that rule. We followed that rule and it worked. It still holds up. So. Yeah. You know, Larry, I, I am not, I don't feel like we've scratched the surface of what we want to talk about with you, but we have talked a long time. How long, how, how far have we gone here? Producer Tom. Uh, we're at about uh, 58 minutes right now 58 so far. Minutes. I feel like we just got started. So this is like uh, hour one in the boat right now. Yeah. I think we should break this up. Should yep. we, let's do a well, two-parter. This, this is, if you're keeping track at home, this is episode 20, if you've been paying attention. So let's so, make it special. Yeah. Let's do a two-parter. Let's there, do it. are you game? I'm, I'm all for it, guys. Thank all right. you. Let's do it. Well, So we're going to stop here. We're going to break here. And then when we come back next Tuesday, we'll continue the conversation with Larry and, and find out, dig even deeper into your 30 plus years of experience to help us all be better fishermen. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Iceman. We look forward to seeing from you guys soon. Make sure you comment on our Facebook giveaway, the year that Larry's family can trace their lineage to. And we'll catch you guys next time on the Iceman. <laughs>